Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. He's been here. He's been there. Magic down the middle, just what I thought. A hook shot at 12. Good! He's been everywhere. Shot from there and a save and a rebound. Score! Yes! Kings win the cup! Sobel. That's one small step for man. Ted Sobel. One giant leap for man. The man, the myth, the legend. What the hell's going on out here? Now, one-on-one with Ted Sobel. Our guest should be a familiar name to anyone who's followed sports around Southern California for any length of time, but not to confuse him with the comedian or the mobster of the same name. He is the Bill Dwyer, longtime reporter, columnist, and sports editor at the Los Angeles Times, who's followed the horse racing game for many years, and we welcome you to my new Touching Greatness podcast, Bill. Thank you, Ted, and I am a part-time mobster, just so you know. A part-time mobster. Okay, that sounds good. Bill, we've had some very serious goings-on at Santa Anita, affecting many on and away from the racetrack. A 23rd horse died this past weekend over a three-month span, and we need to get to the bottom of this. Speak the truth from what we know and what we don't know. What do you know, and what are your thoughts just going in? I know a lot uh, uh, less than probably the people at the track. I'm not out there like I used to be on a regular basis. I do know that uh, this was predictable, uh, not predictable, but uh, pretty much uh, conceivable scenario as we approach this winter. That was that there was going to be a lot of rain. And uh, we know from the past that the rain seems to do strange things at Santa Anita. I'm not sure if it's a matter of... uh, drainage or a matter of, of what it is, but it seems to uh, have cre- have created in the past difficult situations. And, and my main question would be how much did the track having the same uh, weather predictions that we had um, go at it, embrace this, uh, uh, go and check out things, do uh, go the extra mile on preparing the track, do different things to prepare the track with the thought in mind that they'd have a lot of of rain. That's the only speculation that I can come up with. Uh, I see that Bob Baffert this morning in the newspaper called what's going on an aberration, and uh, it probably is, but uh, it seems to me 23 horses has got to be a better answer than an aberration. But there's not a true common denominator here, and you say rain. That certainly didn't come into play this weekend when we had another horse die coming off the downhill turf course, hit the main track, and then, boom, fell down, and, and we lose another one. I don't know what that has to do with rain. Well, it, it, it doesn't have to do with current rain, but it, uh, what I'm saying is that they had so much rain, they had so much rain predicted for uh, January and February, uh, and so much rain came that if it uh, affected the track in a certain way, uh, they may not have been able to uh, repair even to this point, even with nice weather. And again, I'm just speculating sure. what might have happened here, but but uh, I'm grasping at straws, Ted, like everybody else in yep. horse racing. But I do think uh, that whether uh, Baffert is right, it's an apparition, or whether... Uh, there was some malfeasance in not getting the track prepared properly or whatever. They're at 
crossroads. This is not something the public will stand for. Uh, this is something that uh, animal lovers will seize and run with and run all the way to uh, government officials. And when government officials have a cause that uh, looks like something they need to take care of, uh, they will make noise. And yep. that's, uh, we're right on the verge of that next step. We've lost 13 horses in races, six of them also on the grass. So obviously the grass is not the same as the dirt, so there's not much they can do about that. And you would think soft grass wouldn't be a problem unless you slipped. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if if, uh, if my theory on uh, possible lack of preparation of the track also applies to the grass. If there's something special they can do for a rainy season, uh on the grass, I don't know. All I know is that this is way beyond anything that we've ever seen before. No question about that. The sport is in self-examination mode right now. What would you do if you were the czar of horse racing? Oh, that's very simple. Um, I would uh, sacrifice the short term for the long term. I would shut it down, uh, shut down Santa Anita, Probably for the rest of the meeting, I would call in all the experts that I could on uh, horse track preparation, on horse race anatomy, and I would uh, publicize each move as they as they try to fix things, each move, every step along the way, so that the public knows that they're trying. And at the same time, while they're doing this. The message would be clear. We care more about the horses than we care about the dollars coming across the betting windows. And we care enough to really take a hit on this. Uh, and and uh, we want this to be right for next December 26th. I'd be looking at next December 26th. I would go to the point that, I know this is radical, I would go to the point where I would go to the Breeders' Cup and say, maybe you better take this one back to... Uh, to uh, Lexington or back to Churchill Downs this year because God forbid we, we don't want an accident during the Breeders' Cup of the stature. I would also, I'm giving you a long answer, but you asked the question. <laughs> I would also make sure that every person, I, if I'm in the Stronic group, I would make sure that every person who walks horses, who hunt walks horses, who uh, bales hay, uh, who works from the back stretch and who has no pension and no 401k and, and you know, probably not even uh, uh, legal status in this country in many cases, um, that they get paid. The horsemen, the owners, the trainers, the jockeys, they can go to New York, they can go to Florida, they can go other places. They have the wherewithal. They also have, you know, substantial amounts of money. They can take their wares elsewhere. The people on the backstretch cannot. The people uh, uh, who run the track at Santa Anita, some of the employees, the publicity department, people like that need to get paid during this time. It needs to be an entire effort of stand back, take a long look, figure this out, get every expert we can. It's going to be costly, but um, by next December 26th, we're going to have a track that has undergone every test imaginable and every long look imaginable by every expert imaginable without any thought of having horse racing until we get this right. And all along we're telling the public every three days we'll issue another press release saying this is what we've done, this is what we've looked at, and we care. And what you do there is, is uh, 
you make the most honest effort of all time to to take care of your horses, and the public the public will accept that and understand that, and and, and feel uh, well served by that, rather than. We're going to shut it down for a week and, and, and then open it up and, and hold our breath and, and please come to the windows and make your exit. We're speaking with Bill Dwyer, longtime sports editor at the Los Angeles Times, who's covered the horse racing game forever, I think even before Seabiscuit, right, Bill? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> back, back to, uh, I can't think of some of the old horses. But How about Whirl Away? Whirl Away. Or Admiral. There you go. I fed War Admiral out of my hands. <laughs> Bill, uh, perception is so huge in this circumstance. If Bob Baffert is right, and there's nothing they can really do because each case is individual, what do you do to the PETAs of the world and the people who are outside the track petitioning when you know there's always going to be some deaths every year? It's just a matter of why is it and how many is it? Well, yeah, perception is exactly what I was addressing previously. Uh, you have to create the perception right now is that uh, this is an industry that is, is killing animals and right before our very eyes and sometimes right before 5,000 people on the home stretch. Uh, and the perception is what you have to heal here. I mean, you have to heal the physical problems that are killing these horses. Uh, whether it's drugs or inbreeding or whatever, you have to address that. You have to look at everything. But the perception is that that they are comfortable with a short-term fix, that they are going to keep throwing horses out there and holding their breath and hoping that, that uh, the betting windows can stay open for a while longer. And and if you give people the perception that, no, nah, that's not the most important thing to us. The most important thing to us is getting our sport back fully and making sure that, that everybody knows that we care more about these animals than anything else. Yes, but what about... Yeah, but what? how about if you close the track until the Breeders' Cup later in the year and then something happens again immediately and now national TV. You've done everything that you can imaginably think of and now it happens again... And, I mean, what are you going to do, stop the sport forever? Because that's part of the tragedy of what can happen. These horses are huge animals but fragile legs. Well, yes. Uh, then you have a real problem, and, and I, I, I hate to say it, uh, Ted, because uh, Santa Anita is, is a legacy, an institution. It's, it's everything. But if you, if you do just what you said, you close it down, and you, you demonstrate to the public that you have every expert in the world in here and you're doing everything you can. And then in the fourth race of the Breeders' Cup on Friday afternoon, a prominent horse goes down and dies. You've got a serious problem because uh, a more serious problem than you have now. And I hate to say this, but pretty soon uh, the politicians will come in and start passing bills uh, that will make it untenable for San Anita to run, and pretty soon you have a piece of property looking at the San Gabriel Mountains that is uh, more valuable to the Stonics as real estate than it is as this pain-in-the-ass horse race. Yeah, we've already done this at Inglewood, as we know. Yes, we have. Yes, we have, and they denied and denied and denied they'd ever do it, and uh, suddenly it became the, the largest um, 
real estate developing area within the city of Los Angeles that he still exists to this day. And, yep. and so now we have something in Arcadia, which is not only larger, but uh, with views that sell million dollar homes. And, you know, I hate to go that far, but, you know, that's if you project this out a long ways and this does not stop somehow, uh may have racing in Southern California at Los Alamitos and Delmar. Uh, I don't even want to think about that. As I wrote in my book, Touching Greatness, which is still in the writing stage, I wrote that racing hit a brick wall back in July of 1975 when they suffered from the ruffian recovery. National TV, a match race, 50,000 at Belmont Park. We lost the greatest horse on the planet at the time, and I think it never has recovered from that. What do you think? Well, uh, recovery is, is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, they, they can go on uh, through, this, through this disaster just as they went on after Ruffian, but Ruffian was one high-profile horse. Exactly. That happens. That happens, and, and uh, that's a little different than 23 and still counting. And so... Uh, Racing, I, you know, I, I talked about making Santa Anita into a real estate, and it's a horrible thing to even think about, much less talk about. But I don't think that'll happen in a, in a million years, and I think that, that racing will find a way to go on uh, because it's it's an institution. It's what all these people do. It's what they know how to do, and and will probably the problem is that racing wants to grow and this is not going to grow it this is going to keep it at, at the level it's at maybe that's good enough for some people and maybe uh, a reduced level of interest and a reduced level of media coverage and a reduced level of, of handle at the windows uh, uh, is okay and it probably is rather than shutting it down but uh, if they really want to find out what's going on here it's going to take a huge effort and it's going to take uh, you know maybe totally digging up that track and starting from scratch, uh, which they say they've done, but I don't think they've, they've excavated it down to nothing. Um, it's it's a tough, tough problem. And it, it's people's livelihoods and it's people's interests and, and it's everything else. But the public is not going to um, cotton to this on this level for a long time. I remember one thing yeah. that, We've gone through this in a different form before. Remember a few years ago when Baffert had nine horses die in his various farms? Yeah. And everybody was baffled. I was baffled and I wrote about it and it stopped. It just stopped. I don't remember what the uh, what the result of that was, though. I think that nobody ever determined that for sure, but there was some indication that, that Bob had been giving these horses a... Uh, uh, a very mild drug that, that was supposed to uh, just, I don't remember the details, it helped them breathe a little bit, and, and it turned out that, that um, it might have been contributing to some wow. some level of death, and uh, he stopped giving them, giving them the drug, and it stopped, and, and nobody's ever sure whether it was connected at all, but uh, that was the only kind of, hey, A plus B equals C to that, otherwise it was just like right now, it's an aberration. Everybody, he was as mortified and as stunned as anybody. Oh, I'm sure. But, uh, it, 
you know, we've been through this before, and the, the outcry was beginning then, but that was nine horses. This is 23, and I'm afraid numbers matter. Bob's the high-profile guy, but uh, as you know, Bill, there are hundreds of trainers out there, and if you go to the backside, they treat their animals like God. I mean, we all wish we could live in a spa the way those horses live in the barn and get treated, and I'm not exaggerating. Well... Yeah, I mean, particularly the horses. I don't think that uh, there are a lot of claimers out there, Ted, that aren't treated like they're in a spa. But, uh, they, you know, their resources are thoroughbreds. They're treated pretty well. They get, they get fed every day and they get exercise. So, yeah, it's not, nobody's accusing uh, anybody, any trainer or hot walker or uh, assistant trainer at Santa Anita of abusing the horses for doing things that. It would put them in a situation where they break down. Uh, I am sure that there have been horses that have, there have been trainers that have sent out horses, maybe not so much at Santa Anita, but certainly around the country, that have sent out horses that, uh, you know, they weren't quite sure that this horse was sound and the horse breaks down. I mean, it's, 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 it's not a science. It's, it's you know, just, it's life. It's part of the game. Stuff happens. Yeah. But, uh, uh, again, we get back to the, the key thing, and the key thing is uh, the public isn't going to tolerate this. And I think Tim Ritfo said this best, the, the people who don't really know about horse racing and, and don't uh, care that much about horse racing will shout the loudest when yep. it gets worse. Absolutely. Worse. Well, and it's also, you know, the PETAs of the world out there are not making life any easier, too, because they never liked the idea of horse racing in the first place. They think it's cruelty to animals. The last time I checked, a horse was born to run. Now, not necessarily born to race, but that's what they do, and they can get hurt running around a farm any, just as easy as they can on a track. I, not only they can, they do. Exactly. You, uh, you don't read about horses going you know, out in the field running around. Uh, Every day. Dying. I think one of Zenyatta's uh, babies died that way, running around in the field, if I'm not mistaken. It, yeah, it happens, but, but uh, you know, give Peter credit. They're, they're saying, look, these are animals, and, and they need to be treated better, and this is an indication. You know, they've seized on the obvious indication that there's something wrong here, and, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't look at PETA as a, as a collection of nutcases. They just they have a cause, and... and once the cause is flashed in a big way in front of the public, they jump on it, and rightfully so. Finally, Bill, so how does that affect the way you see the game? Does this change your outlook on everything, or do you still feel like if we could just get back to where we were before this meet, it could go on like normal? Uh, I guess it's changed my outlook a little bit, Ted. I am i don't know how to put this, but... Uh, Sport is being sport in general is being overrun by corporate America, just like America is being overrun by corporate America. Right. And uh, I worry. I didn't see this as much as when I was covering, and maybe I wasn't looking as hard as now after 23 deaths. But um, I'm wondering where uh, corporate America becomes 51 percent of the decision-making uh, and the sport itself and the welfare of the sport gets under 50%. I, I worry about that. I worry about decisions being made on behalf of, of the sports game uh, based strictly on the bottom line, and, and that's what we are in this country right now in so many ways. But yep. 
sports, you know, and, and sports are different kinds of sports. Of course, in, in, in basketball and football, they're making a lot of decisions based on on the bottom line of pro football. Take your concussions, for example. Sure. Uh, how they tried to hide those for years. Well, that was based on making money. You don't want to, you don't, you want to get the best players. You don't want the, the public to be reading about people with brain injuries and, and people having uh, CTE and, and donating their brains to uh, medical science right. uh, so that they can, uh, after they die, so it can be proved that it was caused by football. So there's a lot of that, but I I just worry. I, I, I see this now as, you know, I don't know how I can blame corporate America or the corporation that run horse racing totally for this, but... I don't see uh, the other side of it. I don't see a wave of the horse comes first. We love the horse. We'll do anything, even losing huge amounts of profit to, to take care of this problem. Once I see that, I'm fine, but I don't see that right now. Of course, the other way to look at that is there's a jockey on every horse, and nobody wants to see the jockey get hurt. And if the horse ends up going down, a jockey can get hurt at any moment. So there's both ways. Yeah, there's there's a lot of human human involvement here. Victor exactly. Also, is barely back, you know, and he right. went through a terrible thing. But yes, yes, we we worry about that, but we don't have uh, twenty nine jo- or twenty three jockeys uh, with broken backs right now. We we have twenty three dead horses. Yeah, but the perception we talked about before. From the outside looking in, I think the average person says, you know what, this sport just makes the rich wealthier. I guess. I guess I, I, I've never been on the outside, <laughs> so we don't know. Uh, we've been on the inside, and we, you know, we rub elbows with Bob Baffert, and we, we go to the races, and we talk to people who are uh, having great fun being there, and so uh, you and I may not be the best judge of that, but there are people uh, out there, just not members of PETA, who are horrified, who uh, don't want their kids to be sitting in row five when the horse breaks down in front of them. I've been there a couple of times and that's happened. I've yeah. Delmar a couple of times on the main stretch, right in front of everybody. Yep. Down it goes, and it's it's a horrifying moment. And really is. Ambulance. And then you see the, the, the big wall, the shade that they put up. Uh, uh, and, and, you you know, that's, that's it for me for the day. I'm, and that's... Uh, it's a bad thing, so I, I don't know how to answer that completely other than how we perceive it and how the, the general public is perceiving it. And the general public, uh, quite frankly, is somewhat shallow in that it reads headlines and says, oh, my God, another horse died. Well, they better shut that down. You know, right. better, I'm never going to a horse race. And, and uh, you can't imagine how much of that has gone on just in the L.A. area in the last two months. Every time one dies, they go, well, I'm never taking my kids. And it's... It's costing them money already. So I think they ought to shut it down and really figure out a way to fix it and demonstrate to the public that they've done their best. Other than that, uh, they're in big trouble. Well, I totally get it all, and uh, I bet you're like me. You miss the days when we could see forty and 50,000 people showing up on a Monday because there's a grade one race. Now at four to 5,000, and that would be pretty decent. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a different game. And, and, yeah. Uh, Maybe this this has contributed to the decline over the years. I think it's mostly other sports. And, uh, yeah, no question. But it's it's a it's a sad state of affairs right now. I, I can only hope that if it stops right now, they can 
you know, people have short memories too. That's yep. another thing. And that's true. They can get it going, get another wonderful horse like American Pharaoh or somebody. Or you know, you know what they need is another Zenyatta. Absolutely. But it's something that I've talked about for decades that the game just doesn't tend to keep their stars around long because it's about money and breeding. So, yeah, and Zenyatta kept not only kept winning but kept winning coming from behind, and Zenyatta was was a magical uh, presence in the sport of horse racing. And, and Absolutely, it's hard to find that. And uh, uh, to the credit of the owners, uh, they kept her around for a while, and that's hard to find too these days. You know. You, American Pharaoh wins his biggest cup race and goes off to the, you know, walks over across the street to the breeding shed, and that's it. Yep. Yeah, it really kills, uh, it, it kills uh, a highlighter. I mean, it's something you just want to say, hey, come see our stars. Well, our stars aren't around very long, so what are you going to do? That's right. All yeah. right, Bill, appreciate the time so much. Great insight on this. Okay, Ted. Talk to you soon. I greatly appreciate journalist Bill Dwyer's input and expertise on the sport of horse racing and the issues that we're currently dealing with out at Santa Anita. Now, there are no easy answers to any of this, but there's one easy decision for racing management to make, and that is to be direct with the public on exactly what they are doing to resolve this tragic situation at the racetrack. And I personally will not stop my attempt to get involved in educating everyone so we can keep one of the great sports in the history of our country and this planet alive and well. You can find me on Instagram at Ted Sobel Sports and the same at Ted Sobel Sports on Twitter. And thanks for listening to my very important daily Double of Touching Greatness podcast, which of course includes a very candid and in-depth conversation with Hall of Fame jockey Gary Stevens. I appreciate you supporting Touching Greatness, and I am still Ted Sobel wishing you all good racing luck in life. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.